Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. We want to continue from where we have stopped. Um, we have been looking at Romans chapter 12. Um, and just as a short recap, we've been looking at Romans 12, examining the matter of being a living sacrifice. And in our study, we progressed on, on, those, on the verses after. Um, that scripture that says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, so we want to just continue. Sorry, hold on. Okay, so we want to we want to um, continue from there. So we'll read Romans 12 from verse 2. Or let me take it from verse 1. I'll read verse 1 and 2. And we will use that as a basis to expound looking at that scripture and other scriptures. So let, let me read Romans 12 from verse 1 and verse 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? We'll stop there. We have been, like I said, we've been looking at being a living sacrifice. And last week we were looking at the matter of not being conformed to this world. And we just want to move forward looking at the next part of verse 2. So, how not to be conformed to this world is what we want to look at today. Last time, God was challenging us, making us to understand that there are certain things that are in the world. If you remember, we read read that scripture in 1 John chapter 2 that says, all that is in the world, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the basic frag, um, uh, frag, um, should I call it foundation pillars of the world, the mindset of the world, the thinking of the world. Is we 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 remembered? If you remember, we did we highlighted that it's not the physical structures in the world that we should be aware of. Is the thinking, is the way of behavior of the world and not the physical things in the world. So we now just want to move. How is it? How can we not be conformed to this world? The Bible is telling us, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what we're going to major on today. How can me, how can you, how can the Christian be transformed 
how. And that's what we want to look at. So we're going to discuss what does it mean to be transformed? And just for the purpose of uh, dictionary definition, the word transformed, I remember I checked it up. Let me just let me just remind myself again because yes, it says the word transformed or transformed, which is past tense, is just simply making a marked change in the form, nature, and appearance of something, somebody. A marked change. A very clear, significant change. That word, transform, that's what it means. Now, we want to translate or should we import the meaning and the understanding just to ex- help us explain or um, investigate for the Christian, what does it mean to be transformed? And that scripture gives us the clue. It said, by the renewing of your mind. How does the mind of a Christian undergo renewal? What are the necessary instruments needed for renewal of the mind of the Christian? What does God engage in my heart, in your heart, so that there can be a renewal of the mind? That's what we want to discuss today. So, yes, Kevin. It's not really the answer to your question, but I'm going to, it's an opener to your question. Yes. Uh, it's quite a while ago now, but there was a course I was on, and uh, the lady there said that Kevin, you're so f- so full of stuff. There's no room for anything new. Yeah. So I think part of the way that we have to renew, we have to let go, mm. or be willing to let go of what we already think we know. Mm. Um, is as if. Kevin was sitting next to me when I was looking at this study. <laughs> because they, he, has, he has touched on a point, on a scripture which we will look at. Maybe we should look at it since he has started it off. <laughs> so let's look at James chapter 1. You see, if there's going to be renewal, like Kevin has said, we need to let go of some things there needs to be a letting go so that the new can take over. Now, just um, is this scripture dovetails into our discussion. So can we just read? I know you've read it before, but it's good we go over these things again so that the Holy Spirit will speak to us afresh and challenge our hearts. So James chapter 1, if somebody can read for us from verse 21 down to um, 25, James 1, verse 21 to 25. Can somebody read for us, please? James 1, uh, from verse 21 says, So get rid of all uncleanliness. 
and be rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your heart contains the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. <coughs> For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he is like a man who looks carefully. James chapter 1. For he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he was like. But he who looks carefully into the faultlessness, the law of liberty, and, it, and is faithful to it, and perseveres into looking at it, being not a, head, a heedless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he shall be blessed in his doing his life of obedience. So, let's, from that scripture, what are the things we are to let go of? Maybe we should just discuss it. Get rid of uncleanliness. Okay. Yeah. So the Bible is saying, um, maybe just because I think it will be good for, let me just read verse 19, just to add to what we read. Verse 19 says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, the Bible says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Lay aside. If we do not lay aside some things in our lives, we cannot receive. For us to receive the word of God, the first instruction is we need to lay aside our former way of life. Now, we have to accept <coughs> that mm. we cannot receive the new when the old is still there. When the old way of life, when we think old, the old way of life is, is permitted, then we cannot receive the new way of life. The new way of thinking. The new way of looking at situations and circumstances from the from God's point of view, we, we won't be able to appreciate it if the old way of life is still there. So when the scripture is telling us here, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. I know when you look at that scripture, it looks as if ah, it's talking about some terrible things. It's not only terrible things. Filthiness doesn't have to be only overtly wrong. Do you know? Okay, look at Jesus. Jesus was addressing the Pharisees, was talking to them. And Jesus kept pointing to the fact, if you look at Matthew 23, Jesus was talking to Pharisees. He said, woe unto you, Pharisees, scribes, hypocrites. Why did Jesus call them hypocrites? He said that their inner inner self, the inside, was corrupt, full of evil and hypocrisy. That's the inside. 
The inside that nobody sees. The inside that is usually covered. I don't know if it happens to you. Don't you look at or don't you assess the thoughts you have yourself? Your thoughts. At times, your thoughts are very evil. You know, we were discussing it the other day that if God should give you the ability to read people's thoughts, I'm telling you, you might, you might be afraid to leave. If God should give you the ability to be able to see people's thoughts, and those thoughts are secret, they are quiet, they look harmless because they are inside. So when God is telling us, lay aside all filthiness, even our thoughts, we need to keep a close check on it and lay it aside. So this scripture is challenging me, is challenging you to lay aside our way of life, old way of life. Now, why? It's not just for the sake of laying it aside. It's saying laying it aside so that you can receive. He now said, receive with meekness. The, the translation of Jethro read was the um, amplified in verse 21. It says, get rid of all uncleanness and the rampart outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive. So for me to receive from God, for you to genuinely receive from God, you need to be humble. The attitude of receiving from God automatically makes you humble. It should make you humble. You should be in a perpetual state of humility always to receive from God. What the scripture is teaching me, honestly, as I looked at it, is that, ah, I need to be in that humble state of mind always so that I can receive from God. Because, you see, I want to receive from God. And I know you too want to receive from God. The Bible is saying for us to receive from God, humility has to be the ground rock. You are not permitted to be proud. Even when pride wants to raise its head up, you say, ah, I can't receive from God with pride. You keep a check on on your heart. And I thank God for this scripture because it's reminding me why I need to always be humble so that I can receive from God. And he's saying, look at what we are receiving. Receive, it says, with a humble, gentle, and modest spirit. Receive and welcome. Hmm. So how should, we are looking at what can transform the mind and give us a renewed mind. This is what we are looking at. So how do we receive it? With humility and with, with a welcoming heart. I know at times the word of God, when it comes, because it is coming to change our mindset, we don't welcome it. Because it's coming to change our way of life, we don't welcome it. Because it's counter or is opposite to what we normally think of. We don't welcome. But what's God telling us? Please welcome it. 
welcome the word of God. If we don't welcome it, you can't receive from it. If you don't welcome it, you won't be able to obey it. We must have that attitude of heart towards the word of God. Do you know, honestly, I keep, I'm, I'm, I'm only also talking to myself here. God, we, God must help us to have the right attitude of heart towards the word of God so that we can profit from it. Do you know, it's not enough to just sit down and listen and say, yes, well, they said today's Bible study. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's nine o'clock now. I don't even like uh, beating God talent. So let me just come and sit down here. That is not enough. That is not enough. We must have a welcoming heart and spirit. Genuinely wanting to hear God and welcome what he wants to tell us. You know, this type of, this type of heart removes empty religion. It removes the, the, the mindset that, oh, well, today is Saturday evening. There's nothing to do. Let me just come and sit down here. <laughs> Let me just come and here, listen to Bible study. There's nothing to do. Because if there was something to do, I wouldn't be sitting down listening to it. That's not a welcoming heart. God must give us a welcoming heart. We must desire and pray for it. So, we take note there that the Bible is saying we must welcome. It said, um, receive and welcome the word of God, which implanted. You see, so because the word of God is a seed, God wants to implant it in our lives. And do you know the glorious thing about this implantation of the word of God? The word of God, when it's implanted, the aim is for it to keep bearing fruit always. The word of God doesn't just come to you just for a moment and goes away. The word of God is not like wind that just blows and then passes on. The word of God is very strategic and purposeful. It's aimed at being planted in your heart. Being rooted in your heart so that it keeps growing and it brings forth fruit all the time, continuously. Yeah, to decide, what's that um, scripture in the Bible, Luke, chapter and verse? Which scripture, Leon? You know, the scripture you'd um, saying about Luke. Is and, it? and it's about the verse and the chapter um, you would probably then to one of us to read out and that. Uh, don't worry, um, we will get there. Yeah. We will, we will, I'll talk about it very shortly. Maybe yeah. you want to remind us that of that parable, the parable of the Soa. Do you remember the parable of the Soa? Yeah, I got the Bible on my um, phone. But um, it just the, um, I don't, the word Luke, 
in the New Testament. Yes. By the chapter and the, um, can you send me the, um, the verse and the chapter? Okay, we will do that. We will do that. Don't worry. So, uh, and then I'll read it out to you. Liam, Liam, okay. may we continue the reading? We will read that later, yeah? We'll, yeah. We'll read it. Okay. No problem. Well so, maybe let's go to that um, parable just to draw out some inferences about yeah. the word of God being implanted in our hearts. So, let's look at it. The parable of the sower. So let's look at Luke chapter 8. Uh, Luke chapter 8. Yes, Luke 8. We are going to read it from Bas. We are not going to read the whole parable, but look at Jesus Christ's explanation of yeah, that. The, yeah, the actual verse. So, um, so, so chapter 8, yeah. Okay, maybe you should read verse. From verse 10, George. 10. Right, okay. verse 10. Okay. Uh, it says, And he says unto you, in his give... No, read to, from verse 11. 11. Uh, verse 11. Yes. Yeah. Now, the... the is he the seed is the word of God. Okay, yes, so stop there. So the yeah. Bible is telling us, the Bible is telling us that this seed is the word of God. Yeah. The word of God the, is a seed and it comes to be implanted in your heart and in my heart. Why? That is the that is the purpose for it. Now, we'll go straight to verse 15. Verse Read 15. verse 15 for us, Liam. Verse 15. But that on the dead ground are they which in a and dead heart having hurt and word keep it and brought for fruit and or fruit with, with patience. Yes. So the Bible yes. is telling us here that the seed that fell on good ground yeah. are those who haven't heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it. That seed has been planted in them. They hold on to it. They keep it so that they can bear fruit. So what is the Bible teaching us here? The word of God is not a passing facade. The word of God normally comes to a life, comes to my life, comes to your life, with the purpose of being implanted, mm. so that it keeps bearing fruit all the time. It's not a momentary experience, the word of God. When the word of God comes, it's not intending that me and you should just have a wonderful feel-good factor. And then after that, we come back to ground zero. No. The word of God has the power to keep producing fruit from years, 
for years and years and years and years to come. Yes, Nika. Uh, actually, George, you know, with this word of God that is being planted in our hearts, mm. I see it like, you know, like a pacemaker that is implanted mm. in the heart. Like mm. the heart is dependent with that pacemaker to keep beating. Mm. So same as well with our hearts that it should be always dependent unto the word of God. That even though at times we don't feel that, you know, we do things in our own way. But when we think if the, if the word of God is deeply rooted in our hearts, it's still the word of God that will resound in our thoughts, in our minds. Then it will remind us that, oh, this is the word of God and this is the will of God. So this is the thing that I must do to bring glory to him, not my own will. Because you know, we're talking as well about transforming and it's like, you know, not to follow the standard of this word, because what's happening, you know, with the life being transformed is the word looks at transformation is more on the physical side. That's why uh, nowadays, uh, even young people, they are so into how they look like. So that's why aesthetics, a clinic, they are so popular because of physical, you know, they, they are thinking all about the physical aspect, but not the inner aspect. Yes. So this transformation God is looking for is, first of all, look at that scripture, if you remember, it said it has to be a transforming of, or the renewing of the mind. The mind, nobody sees the mind. The mind is inside. But the mind is responsible for what happens outside. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. He said, you are, he said, the Pharisees are like whitewashed sepulchers. The, 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 the outside looks lovely, but the inside of the sepulchers or the tomb is full of dead men's bones. Jesus was telling them, clean the inside so that the outside will be clean as well. You know, as I read that scripture, I was touched because I'm praying. I want my outside to be good. But it doesn't start by dealing with the outside. And do you know, the outside there, I know you think of the physical appearance, isn't it? But God is also interested in the spiritual outside. What do I mean by spiritual outside? God is interested in my spiritual environment, in my work for Jesus, in my Christian ministry, in my Christian fruitfulness. God is interested because the fruit is what you bear on the outside. But the outside will not be fruitful when the inside is dead. So this transformation, God is looking for it first in the inside. That now affects what happens on the outside. Genuinely. That's what God is looking for. So when the Bible is telling us here that the word of God, when implanted, is able to save your soul, it is powerful. It is real. But that word needs to be implanted. It needs to grow. It needs to bear fruit. 
so that it can save our soul. It can save your soul. The a soul, a, a word, the, the soul or the mind that is not renewed cannot be saved. The mind that is still degenerate, that is still living as if Jesus never died, cannot be saved. That mind needs to undergo a renewal so that there can be salvation at the end of the day. The reason why me and you are born again is so that, that's why it's very clear that those English, the English phrase there, born again, is because the new has come. And that's why God must help us to engage the instrument that will lead us to this transformation, that will help us with this renewal. And that's the word of God. Now, can I just read another scripture to further buttress this point that the word of God has certain characteristics that is crucial to the renewal of the mind. We've read this scripture before. We studied it in Psalm 19. So if you have your Bible, if you just, just move straight to Psalm 19, Psalm 19, verse 7. Just verse 7. So the Bible says, um, maybe somebody else should read for us. Um, can somebody from the Salido family, apart from Regine, to read Psalm 19, verse 7 for us? Yes, thank you. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. Yes, continue. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Maybe read verse 8, please. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. I hope I hope we which translation is that new uh, living yeah yes so the bible is telling us there is that that's new living isn't it you just read yeah yeah, yeah. okay so the bible is telling us the law of the lord is perfect reviving the soul new king james says the law of the lord is perfect converting do you see the the present tense words or qualifications used to describe and qualify the action of the word of God. Converting the soul. The mind, the mindset, the mind's way of thinking needs to be turned around. And it's the word of God that does it. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Another transition says, the decrees of the law are trustworthy. It makes a simple person wise. It increases the spiritual insight of that person. Why? Because the word of God has that potential to do it. The next part of that verse says, um, the commandment of the law is pure enlightening so the heart that was dark 
can suddenly receive great light because of the word of God. The eyes that did not see can receive great light because of the word of God. Do you see the the transforming power of what the word of God does in a life? We can see it here. Do you know, let me share this testimony. Some time ago, I was just frustrated. You asked me, what was I frustrated about? Almost everything. (laughs) I was frustrated with my work. Even my spiritual responsibilities, I was frustrated with it. And I was just down. I just thought, ah, what's happening? It's as if I wasn't making progress in anything. Until I read one scripture. That day, we were were just studying the Bible. And I read where Jesus said, I must walk while it is day. When? And for a time is coming when no man can walk. Ah, you know, as I read that scripture, it was as if somebody pat me on the head and said, you need to get up. Jesus is walking. The Lord God is walking. You cannot sit down feeling depressed. You can't sit down. If Jesus said he's walking, your Savior said he's at work. And it was interesting to note that that scripture had, if you look at that scripture in the NIV, it says we must walk while it is day. We. So that scripture was telling me that there is a team of people walking. Jesus is at work. The Lord is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work. Why must I now sit down and be wallowing in in my own self-depression? Why should I sit down when the, the author of my salvation who brought me salvation is at work? Why must not why must not I arise and cooperate with him and and be and partner with him in the work? You see, that scripture was like a jolt to me. It enlightened my eyes. I was able to now arise to understand that ah, I need to walk. Scriptures, I'm sure all of us have various testimonies or does anybody can somebody else just share let it not just be me where 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 have you noticed the word of god enlightening your eyes please don't feel shy including the children we need to hear you where did the word of god enlighten your eyes and you thought ah this is true Yes. Please feel free share with us. You were reading scripture one day, and that scripture just gave you insight and it changed the way you were thinking.
for me, George, yes. you know what? Before I struggled about um, forgiveness, about forgiving someone who wronged you, mm. because what happened uh, way back, I was like a baby Christian way back then. And then obviously member of the family, you know, of this discord about the inheritance, George. Mm. And obviously the other side, they want to get all that, you know, it's a big story. And then, and then obviously one of uh, your, your relative will accuse you, you are stealing, you know, like that. And it hurts, you know what I mean? Mm. And then, so that's why I told my mom, let, let them take that piece of land. And then, um, because I was a Christian, let them give, give it. If, if they want that piece of land, just give it to them. And I'm sure, you know, God will, will bless us more with just that small piece of land. But way back then, you know, spreading rumors about our, our family, stealing it, you know, like that, George. And I find that really, really, like, hard to, to forgive them. And then even I was Christian, it took me probably years until uh, I was deeply rooted with the word of God that, you know, forgive your enemy, love your mm-hmm. enemy. You know, it's all about forgiveness until if I really love the Lord, I should obey the word of God. And if I receive forgiveness from God with all the sins that I have committed, then I should be doing the same as what Jesus has commanded me to do so that's open you know uh, my heart and uh, my spiritual eyes and forgiveness so um obviously because i was working in the city when i went back home to our uh, to the county where i used to live and then met you know the family where you know the other side of our um and then i spoke to cousins and aunties and then you know it's like something has been lifted onto you that I've been carrying for years and years and years. So since then, you know, George, like I've done that part and it was easier for for me to forgive anyone who wronged me. So that was the start because I find it so hard before, but when I did it, it became so easy to forgive someone who insult you, who, you know, mistreat you, even at work like that. So, yeah, that's my story. Mm. I trust that God will continue to help us. You see, we need to have these encounters all the time. We need it. Encountering the word of God so that our eyes can be enlightened. It's a, it's a, it's a joy. And a great privilege to know that God is in the business of enlightening our eyes through his word. And you see, the word of God is so profitable. That's why, honestly, we are not wasting our time by investing time in it, in studying it, in knowing what it says, in getting the juice from the word of God. We are not wasting our time. It's a great spiritual investment that we benefit you not just now, for generations to come if you stay on it. Let's let's look at it again. Let's look at another scripture. Just to encourage you and me about this great investment in the word of God. So 
Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 3. Look at the end of that chapter. Second Timothy 3. Read from verse, somebody should read from verse 14 down to verse 17. Bethel, read for us. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know that those from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God's breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, Jethro, please, can you read verse 16 from Amplified for us? Oh, uh, she went. Um, okay. So let me read that. Um, okay, verse 16, yes. 2 Timothy 3 16, it says here Every scripture is God breath, given by his inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline in obedience and for training in righteousness, in holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose, and action. That's the word of God. And you see, I started reading from verse 14, because we all need to be assured of who we are learning from. You know, Paul was reminding Timothy. He said, you must continue. That was the instruction. He didn't say you may continue. It is a must. You must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Beloved brethren, we are not just learning the word of God from from somewhere. We are actually learning the word of God from his mouth. That's why we are reading it and studying it together. We are trying to hear what God is, what is God actually saying. That's why we encourage you to open your Bible and see the scriptures yourself. So, it is telling Timothy to be assured from where he is learning his word, the word of God from. And look at the next verse. It says, and that from Childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Kids, children, please, don't think you are wasting your life by sitting down like this and studying the Bible. Don't think it is a waste of time. For Timothy, he had learned the Scriptures from childhood. And let me tell you, anything you learn when you are a child, and you grow with it, and you keep learning it, it's going to stay with you forever. As long as you hold on to it. As long as you stay with it. And it's a great advantage 
for you to have time on your hand in age to be learning the word of God. He said, you have known the holy scriptures from childhood. And look at what those holy scriptures can, what the effect it has. It says, which are able to make you wise for salvation. If you keep learning the word of God, even from childhood, and you continue with it, what does Amplify say? Amplify said, which are able to instruct you and give you understanding for salvation, which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the glory of it. The scriptures. And remember, it's not just scriptures that was written for Timothy. These scriptures were also written for us. It does not expire. The word of God doesn't have an expiry date. This word of God is applicable in the 18th century, 17th century, the 21st century. And if Christ studies, Eh? the 25th, 26th, 27th century, these same scriptures is applicable then. It doesn't expire. Culture, human culture can transform and change over time. The word of God endures forever. That's what the Bible says. So these scriptures we are reading, they are applicable to you now and even when you become a hundred years old, these same scriptures apply then too. So, Paul, through the help of the Holy Spirit, was trying to highlight why scriptures is important. So look at verse 16. He said, all scripture, all, not just the New Testament, in, and including the Old Testament, Including songs of Solomon, including Nahum eh? and Hosea, those and Zaphania, those parts of the Bible that sound boring, all of it is the Bible said was given by the inspiration of God. So it was the Lord Himself that gave birth to it. And look at the other qualification of this of the scripture. It's profitable. The word of God can make you and me profitable. It's profitable in every aspect. And the scripture has highlighted it here. It said profitable for doctrine. That's for instruction. If you want to receive great instruction for your life, this is it. If you want to know the mind of God and how he's going to instruct you, is this is it. I know when we talk about instruction from God, sometimes you think, oh, you will get one great vision. Hmm? You will see, maybe at times, you think instruction from God is you just have a dream and then you see one angel and he says, Regine. I want you to stand up. 
go to mommy's room and talk to her now. You know, if you hear that, Regine, you think eh, that that is greater than when you read the Bible and the Bible is telling you to do a particular thing. Look at what we are reading now. I'm sure you, you think it's just, oh, this is just Bible study. It's not a great instruction. God speaks to us primarily through his word. It hasn't changed. This same Bible we are reading, that is God's instruction to you and me. Don't wait for a great vision. Don't think the Bible study we are having and we are studying the Bible and we are understanding what God is saying is less than that great white vision where you saw an angel open the door of your room and come in. You think that is a greater instruction than this one? No. It's not. You reading scriptures, asking the Holy Spirit to make you understand it, and you are studying and meditating on it, like we are doing now, is a great instruction to your life. Don't disregard it. Don't despise it. Don't think this is less than that revelation. Unfortunately, we're in a generation that is interested in the, in the spectacular. So you dis, a lot of people disregard Bible study. They think it doesn't matter. But when we say, just come and hear the great vision that came from the Lord, people run there because they think that is greater than sitting down and studying the Bible. It's not greater. I'm praying that God will give us understanding. So the Bible is saying, Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for instruction. It's also profitable for correction, for reproof. When God wants to correct you, he sends his word. He shows you the scriptures. Hmm? You are in class, in your classroom. And then suddenly, one of your classmates is arguing with you and just wants to pull up a fight. And then you remember that scripture. The person is insulting you. And, the, and you remember that scripture. Answer not a fool according to his fully. Then you keep quiet. All because that scripture has given you. You are about to lash or give him back. Eh? You wanted to answer him or her, but you remember that scripture and then you just ignore it. God is still in the business of correcting me and you. He hasn't stopped. Look at the next part. For correction, hmm? for conviction of sin. That's what the word of God does. It challenges your heart and says, what you are doing is wrong. By the time you remember a scripture or an event in the Bible, and it's as if you see yourself in that situation, and God is using that scripture to remind you of what you are doing. 
You know, you could be complaining about something, eh? about anything. And then the Holy Spirit can tell you, why are you talking like the senior prodigal? Do you remember this, the prodigal son? Hmm? You remember that story? Remember that there were two sons there. The first one wasted the father's money, isn't it? But there was a second son who was staying in the house. And that second one also complained. He started complaining when his brother came back. At times, even we as Christians, we complain and think like the senior brother. And I call him the senior prodigal. At times, are you not offended when somebody who has wasted his life eh, suddenly maybe changes and everybody has, he is the one getting the attention when actually he has caused a lot of havoc and heartache? And then you complain or you, you have a distaste in any shape or form about a certain situation, the Holy Spirit will remind you, you are thinking like the senior prodigal. Don't be a senior prodigal. Don't be like the prodigal son. Hmm? Children, mommy and daddy tells you to do something and use, maybe tells you to use a certain resource or material in the house. But because you did not buy it with your money, you think, oh, this mommy and daddy, so it doesn't matter. I can, I can use it anyhow. Eh? You are behaving like the prodigal son who was wasting his father's resources. And at times, the stories in the Bible can give us great wisdom to correct us and change the way we are living. So the scripture convicts us of sin. Look at what scripture does also. It corrects error and disciplines us in obedience. That's what scripture does. It helps us to obey. And look at the next part of it. It trains in righteousness. Nobody was born righteous. Nobody was born good. There is a place for training in righteousness, in right standing with God. And scriptures helps us to do that. I want to ask a question. Children, I need you to answer me. Have you heard God's instruction repeated to you again and again and again? On any issue? Yes? Okay, let me ask a question. Let me ask it in a different way. Um, those of you who play mus- musical instruments, why do you practice? I want an answer. So I can sort of praise the Lord for my music. Yes, but how do you become good at playing? What do you do? Practicing it. You practice, isn't it? But do you practice once? Yeah, I do practice many times. You go over that that skill 
several times. Can you count how many times you practiced a particular song? Well, you, you just keep practicing until you get good at it. You exactly. You get good at something by practicing. Isn't it? The same thing. Do you know why? God has not stopped talking to us. God comes again. I'm sure these scriptures we have read, have we not looked at it before? We have studied it before. The Psalm 19 that we studied, we read now. Do you, I don't know if you remember. Just some months ago, we actually studied Psalm 19. And look at us coming back to Psalm 19. God keeps coming again with his word. He has not stopped. He's using the same word to teach us. Why? He's trying to train us in righteousness, in right standing with God. It's part of our training. And God comes again and again and again and again. If we, if we could do a log of our Bible teachings on the Bible study, you will see that some of the things we have talked about, we are talking about it again. That is God's pathway of training his children. It comes again and again and again until you get it. That's part of God's training in righteousness. And he does this, not just by empty talk. He does this through the medium of his word. So, what is the what are we going to end on now? The main instrument or equipment that God uses to transform and renew the mind is the word of God. We must be deliberate in investing in it. We must not ignore this investment. Because this investment in the word of God is going to give us great profit. Now, I'll just end with this scripture. Look at Acts chapter 20. Paul was talking to the efficient elders. Acts 20. I want us to go to Verse 32. I'll read it. Acts 20, verse 32. He says, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's what the word of God does. The word of God builds up. It doesn't just build you up and leave you there. It gives you an inheritance. This great inheritance, the word of God can give it to you. Obeying the word of God. Allowing the word of God to be rooted in your life, to bring forth fruit, and us living like Jesus, behaving like him. It gives us an inheritance in Christ. Our inheritance in heaven, this is how to get it. Through the word of God. Living by the word of God. Obeying it. Making the word of God 
our all in all. This is how they get the inheritance. And I'm trusting that God will help us that will be deliberate personally in investing time, in investing our efforts in getting the word of God, both personally and corporately. Please don't ever think you are wasting time and pray that the Holy Spirit will settle that in your heart. Don't think that you are just whiling away time because you have nothing to do. This thing we are doing, investing in the word of God, is going to give us great reward. And that reward doesn't only apply to this world, even in eternal life. That's what this will give us. I pray God will help us. I'll stop here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Dominic, please, can you stop recording? Okay, let's pray. Okay, it's uh, prayer time. And um, before we go uh, to our prayer, um, let me just take your prayer request. Prayer request is um, still the same. And actually, my brother, uh, Raymond, um, he developed again ascites and um, he had the paracentesis, so it was drained uh, already. So uh, please let's continue to pray for him. And he's scheduled. Uh, Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m. 